This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. When the or the weather is extreme, the risk is also extreme. Tonight, the south coast braces for a cold snap with the mercury forecast to fall. Plus, in just the past few weeks, up to five women have all gone missing. But that's not true. And now Metro Vancouver police are trying to quell frightening rumors being spread online. And what we're now learning about the spread of new COVID variants and the vaccine that may not protect against one of them. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. The South Coast so far has managed to enjoy warm temperatures for most of the winter, but that will come to an end this week with temperatures expected to drop below freezing. Kristen Robinson has more on what we can expect. Along the Port Moody waterfront, people are basking in a blast of sunshine. Time to play before the cold creeps in. You can see he really likes being outside. When you're prepared, it's, it's not too bad. Following a relatively mild first half of winter, Arctic air is moving across the entire province. The cold snap expected to stretch for several days. So we'll see temperatures 5 to 10 degrees below the average for this time of the year. The coldest days, Wednesday, Thursday, overnight lows into the minus double digits. Cold expected to last throughout the end of the week, and these are the coldest temperatures we've seen so far this season. We're probably going to be at home. I mean, we, we don't really go out that often. Those unable to get inside now facing below zero temperatures after getting soaked in recent weeks. We'll be handing out some survival gear. Organizations like the Union Gospel Mission will have shelters open with outreach teams delivering toques, blankets and socks to those in need. It could mean the difference between life and death. And we've already seen this year that cold weather can be deadly for people who don't have a home. No one wants to see that repeated. On the flip side, the big chill means this father and son are busy filling dreams of a backyard rink. When you see that weather drop, uh, you got to take the chance and see if you can get a, a little rink going for a day or two. It'll hopefully freeze by Friday so I can skate on it for like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And that'll be pretty fun if so. The goal? To score a game day weekend. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Victoria's hockey arena is set to house the homeless again starting next month, but it's unlikely we'll see Vancouver's Pacific Coliseum turned into an emergency shelter. The province says early in the pandemic, the rink on Renfrew was considered for its potential to house the most vulnerable, but was ruled out due to its location. Up to 45 people will be moving into pods at Victoria's Save on Foods Memorial Arena in March, after the space was first used as an emergency response center from May until September. Last year, Housing Minister David Eby says one of the risks of using arenas is the potential for disruption as sporting events come back when vaccinations expand and life starts to return to normal. BC Housing did look at 
the Pacific Coliseum, uh, and uh, it was their feeling that it was too far from essential services and and critical um, uh, infrastructure to support people and in staying inside. Um, so while it's not uh, currently on the list, certainly um, we're keeping an open mind in terms of sites because this is quite obviously an emergency and a crisis to get people inside. AB says the province and its partners are on track to decamp Strathcona Park by the end of April with enough spaces to get everybody housed. But the province needs the park board to seek any necessary injunctions once housing spaces are available. We are learning more tonight about one of the latest victims of gun violence that's plaguing Metro Vancouver. The family of Shanna Harris Morris said she was shot and killed in a home in Surrey Thursday morning. As Grace Key reports, the 23-year-old was described as a beautiful soul who struggled with addiction like so many others in B.C. Very loving. Yeah, and she just... Loved animals, loved art, loved learning. Shayna Harris Morris's mother and sister say the 23-year-old was smart, funny, and she wanted to help others. Maybe become a social worker or an addictions worker or something like that. She was she wanted to always help people. Just had a hard time helping herself, you know. But she was very sweet and would literally do anything for anyone. Shayna and a man she had been living with were both shot in their Surrey home at 7.30 Thursday morning. The man survived, but Shayna died in hospital. Police say it wasn't a random shooting. She had her, her moment. She would be fine and then kind of slip back in. And, you know, it was, it was a process. And unfortunately, she's lost her life to that kind of lifestyle. Shayna had been in ministry care since she was seven, struggled with mental health issues, and in her late teens with addiction. She had a twin sister and was one of seven children. I just really want to let everyone know that she was very, very beautiful. She had her, she had her struggles, but anyone can have their struggles. It, you know, it doesn't matter. And but, so the I issue just, that's going on after, you know, dealing with different things there's a lot of youth that are out there that are probably going through the, through same, the same kind of stuff. stuff. So I just want to let them know that, you know, lots of people could help, I guess, or maybe try to reach out. Shana's uncle set up a GoFundMe page hoping to raise money for funeral costs. Shana was always the one that would come up and want to give you a hug. Um, she was just, just a beautiful, beautiful soul. No arrests have been made yet, and Shana's murder, the case is still under investigation. Grace Key, Global News. Police departments across Metro Vancouver are issuing rare statements. They're trying to quell rumors being spread online about attempted abductions of women. One RCMP detachment says the conjecture is scaring people. As Sarah McDonald reports, that's prompted a response from one of the women who posted the rumor on TikTok. I'm going to be reading the names of women that have gone missing in 2021 and 2020. We know not to believe everything we consume online, but with several missing persons cases currently open across the lower mainland, messages like this. If you are a woman in British Columbia, I need you to listen to this very closely. Are hitting close to home for many people, especially women. You need to travel in pairs and you need to carry self-defense weapons. That's why Coquitlam RCMP are taking the rare step of urging the public not to give credence to alarming warnings circulating on social media about a recent rash of missing women. You may have seen them yourself. 
Her single neighbor's house was cased and broken into at 3 o'clock in the morning. Officials now say internet detectives are drawing false connections between situations and cases that are not related, maintaining the evidence and the facts just don't support the claims that are causing concern. Real women are having very real experiences. But women's rights and safety advocates say those responsible for keeping the public safe and informed are missing a crucial opportunity for dialogue surrounding sexualized violence. The opportunity is to recognize that, uh, that, that sexualized violence in the public realm does occur. And a large part of it doesn't come to the attention of the police. One of the creators of those initial viral videos seems to agree. I'm very aware that the RCMP is insistent that this is all a rumor, but there's over a thousand comments of cl close encounters women have had over the past couple of weeks. Citing that as evidence, the traction the posts are garnering are more a reflection of the everyday lived experiences of girls and women. The reason the RCMP thinks nothing is happening is because nobody's calling them and reporting the stuff that's happening. Some feeling more vulnerable now than ever. Sarah McDonald, Global News. Victoria police are looking for witnesses after a man was attacked in the downtown core Friday night. It happened in Bastion Square between 6 and 7.30. Police believe the victim was assaulted with a weapon on the walkway between Government and Langley Streets. He was treated in hospital and is expected to survive. Investigators believe the attack was targeted and the public is not at risk. To the pandemic now and much more subdued Super Bowl gatherings at B.C. bars and restaurants following the COVID-19 safety protocols. The volume on the televisions at the Tap House in Coquitlam was lowered during the game to discourage shouting and cheering. WorkSafe B.C. says its inspectors would be doing spot checks throughout the day to make sure all the rules and regulations are being enforced. We've had to just do uh, the best job we possibly can to uh, educate the customer with a lot of the new changes and, and rules and policies and different things like that. I mean, even today, just with having no prizing and no hosts and no gambling on site, I mean, we have to adhere to it. And uh, we want to make sure that uh, when they come back and look at the bars and restaurants, uh, they can look at us and say that, you know, what, we're doing everything we possibly can to make sure that, that the safety of the guests and their customers, that we're not an exposure. Early trial data shows the AstraZeneca vaccine appears to offer only limited protection against mild disease from the variant first detected in South Africa. And now South Africa has halted its rollout of that vaccine. While none of the more than 2,000 trial participants had been hospitalized or died, the study by South Africa and British universities showed the vaccine was a lot less effective against the South African variant. But AstraZeneca said it hasn't been able to accurately assess the vaccine's effect against severe disease and hospitalization because it was tested on healthy young adults. Like the variant first found in the UK, the new South African variant appears to spread more easily than the original virus. But the AstraZeneca vaccine appears to be effective against the UK variant. The first case of the highly transmissible COVID-19 variant first found in Brazil has been reported in Toronto. Public Health says the patient recently returned from traveling to that country. And the person is now hospitalized with the virus. The city is also reporting its first case of the South African variant, though that variant has previously been identified elsewhere in Ontario. It says the patient did not recently travel to South Africa, nor have they been in contact with anyone who did. All right, let's bring in Keith Baldry now. Keith, BC health officials are obviously keeping a very close eye on the variants mm -hmm. in this province. 
Indeed, uh, Colleen, there's a new uh, phrase that's entered our pandemic lexicon. It's called variants of concern because there are a number of variants or mutated COVID-19 viruses circulating around the world and are starting to show up in Canada and the United States in increasing numbers. Take a look at this chart produced by Public Health last week, which shows the UK virus there on the left. You've got uh, 19 there and uh, nine is South Africa. What's concerning is most of the UK cases came in via travel. However, the South Africa variant uh, is uh, we don't know where it came from. It's in local transmission. We don't know the origin. So far, no Brazil cases, thank goodness, because that's considered arguably the worst virus uh, in terms of the impact it can have on one's health. Dr. Bonnie Henry talked uh, at that briefing about potentially getting to our safe six bubble again at the end of February, but she says if these variants take off, all bets are off. Here's Dr. Henry. And much of it will depend. If we start to see, uh, I hope we won't, we start to see one of these variants take off, uh, then all bets are off and we may need to actually increase some of the restrictions that we have in place. I don't want to go there, but right now we need to buy that time to understand, to stay the course, so we can, you know, part of getting immunization going again is really important to protect those who are most at risk, and that gives us a bit of buffer. And there's yet another variant out there, this one prevalent in California right now. It's the Danish L45R uh, variant. It originated in Denmark. A lot of people in the States are calling it the California variant. It's starting to take hold in parts of California, certain counties. It is now the dominant virus there. So these viruses can spread very quickly. UK virus, uh, UK variant is now 20% uh, of the cases in Belgium and 70% of the weekly cases in Denmark. So just when we may have COVID-19 starting to tamp down a bit, these variants can undo all that work and we could be back at square one. So hopefully that certainly doesn't happen. Oh, fingers crossed. We'll have to do some work and I will see you tomorrow at three for the briefing. Yep. All right. Do some breaking news now in a scary situation in downtown Vancouver involving a downed wire. Somehow a trolley bus line came down and got tangled in the wheel of a vehicle that was driving by. Several people in the SUV have been told to stay put until crews can de-energize the line. This happened just before five o'clock. Robson Street is closed between Denman and Cardero Streets. Fraser Health says patients at the Irene Thomas Hospice in Delta will have to be transferred as the health authority prepares to take over from operators who refuse to provide medical assistance in dying. Fraser Health says the Delta Hospice Society had asked the authority last month to begin the transition of clinical operations for the 10-bed hospice so patients would not have to be moved elsewhere. Fraser Health says it sent a letter to the Hospice Society last month outlining proposed arrangements, but it claims last Tuesday the Society responded indicating its unwillingness to agree to the terms. The Hospice Society says it agreed to an orderly transition, but not with the Health Authority's plan to take over operations of the Harold and Veronica Savage Centre for Supportive Care, which is on the same land lease. Experts are sounding the alarm about a huge spike in Amazon scam calls. Last fall, the Better Business Bureau warned the public to watch out for calls from Amazon imposters after their scam tracked receipt, tracker rather received reports about consumers getting calls from someone claiming to be an Amazon employee. The caller says there's a problem with your Amazon account, then asks for personal information, including credit card details. The BBB tracked 28 Amazon scam calls in December, 93 in January, and 41 this past week alone. It says the fraudsters are also spoofing the phone numbers of other organizations when they call. 
we know that's not how Amazon typically connects with their consumers. If they are asking you to make payments, they're never going to ask you to do a wire transfer, to use an iTunes gift card, any of, anything of that sort. So just keep those things in mind. And remember, if you have encountered this kind of scam, report it to BBB and also report it to Amazon. A Vancouver councillor is calling on the city to reduce the retail license fees for pot shops. Illegal cannabis retailers each pay nearly $34,000 annually in, or paid in 2020, according to independent councillor Rebecca Bly. She says the high fee is incentivizing illegal pot shops. The cannabis license fee is about 10 times more than the maximum $3,200 a liquor store is required to pay each year. Bly is asking staff to review the pot shop fee structure and better align it with other businesses. Now it's time to, to recognize that that fee is exorbitantly high. It's prohibitive to small business entering the market. There's, there's just a lack of uh, equity and, and fairness right across the board when it comes to expecting businesses to be able to, um, to uh, cover that cost on an annual basis. Biologists and conservationists are raising the alarm about what they see as the senseless destruction of a fish habitat in the Fraser River. The area is popular with those who like to go 4 by 4 and ATVing. As Paul Johnson reports, they're calling on all levels of government to take action immediately. Out joyriding on an ATV. For some, it's the perfect weekend. But what if your favorite way to recreate is hurting a sensitive ecosystem? Yeah, they're killing fish. Yeah, they're killing fish, almost certainly. On Sunday, we traveled with a group of scientists and fish conservationists to the Fraser River's Gill Bar, east of Chilliwack. It's part of a rich, fish-spawning habitat known as the heart of the Fraser. They've been worried about the trucks and ATVs here for years. But it was this video that sent them over the edge. This video is undated, and its apparent creator declined to answer questions from Global News. But it was uploaded recently and appears to show an organized truck rally taking place in the Gill Bar area. Every time one of these big trucks blasts through the channels, scientist Marvin Rosenau winces. There are chum reds right in all these channels that these vehicles are charging through. This is deceiving because it looks like a barren gravel bar, but just under the water's edge in those back channels, it's actually teeming with chum salmon eggs. Here in the main channel, you have the same situation with pink salmon in a pink salmon year. We don't want to take away from the fun of four-wheelers, but this is not the place to do it. Part of the issue appears to be simple awareness. Here's what these folks said when we asked them about it. No, never, no. No, never heard of that. We reached out to the Department of Fisheries and Oceans to see what, if anything, may be done. They told us they wouldn't be able to answer in time for this report. With many of the Fraser's salmon stocks in steady and steep decline, stopping habitat destruction from recreation, these conservationists say, should be what's known as a no-brainer. This is just like uh, going into your grandmother's uh, rose garden and using a hammer to smash all of the flower heads because, hey, it's fun to do. In the heart of the Fraser, Paul Johnson, Global News. 
And have a look at this. A Global Okanagan viewer captured this video of a cougar on his door cam. The cougar was wandering around Kelowna's Gallagher's Canyon Golf Course community. While he says spotting wildlife in the area is a common occurrence, this is the first cougar his security camera has ever captured. A community in southern Ontario is in mourning after two people were killed and three others were injured in an alleged stabbing incident about 45 minutes northeast of Toronto. As Morgan Campbell reports, many questions remain as to how the tragedy unfolded. Donning forensic suits, investigators are trying to piece together what led to a mass stabbing in a small Ontario town. I mean, as soon as you hear that the kids are involved, your heart just, it's gone. York Regional Police discovered the body of a 38-year-old woman at this home in Mount Albert Saturday afternoon. They were called there for reports of a stabbing. They say shortly after, there was an altercation between officers and a 37-year-old man. He was shot and killed. They were surrounding the house at first, and then it, uh, at one point there was some kind of signal and they ran in to the home. Three others were injured, including a two-year-old and a four-year-old boy, as well as a 35-year-old woman. They are all expected to survive. The province's Special Investigations Unit has invoked its mandate, which normally happens when there is a police-related death or injury. Nobody expects this in a, in, in a neighbourhood like this or a small town, um, and, and, and shocking to find out. At a nearby community centre, flags have been lowered and a prayer service was held Sunday morning. The community is in a state of shock. Uh, this sort of thing has never happened before in our town and so we're not quite sure how to process it. According to neighbours, little is known about the family, but it is believed that the woman who died was pregnant. You could tell that she had passed and once I saw her pregnant belly, I thought, oh my God, that's just terrible. Police say this was an isolated but targeted incident. The homicide unit is investigating alongside the SIU. Meanwhile, an autopsy on the suspect is slated for Tuesday. Morgan Campbell, Global News. Police in Toronto are responding to growing pressure for better accountability and the adoption of body cameras. Officers in the country's largest city say the devices will add more transparency to their day-to-day behavior, but not everyone agrees. The representative of Black Lives Matter Canada says that body cams are more likely to document racist policing than to change procedures. Okay, we'll be able to see. We'll be able to see more and more what we already know that the police harm us more than they do other communities. Two years ago, Calgary became the first major Canadian city to adopt body cameras for all frontline police officers. Other communities are also starting to use them. Cities including Halifax and Vancouver have not so far. A search and rescue operation is underway in India after a Himalayan glacier broke, sending a massive, deadly wave of water and debris slamming into two dams. 
Indo-Tibetan police footage shows some of the 12 workers at a construction project in a hydro power plant being rescued. At least nine people have died and 140 others are missing. When the glacier broke, it sent water trapped behind it, as well as mud and other debris, surging down a mountain. Video shows the wall of water hitting one of the dams and breaking it into pieces before roaring downstream. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. An example of just how cold it is in parts of Canada and the U.S. right now. We'll have that for you right after Yvonne's forecast, and it's going to get cold here, too, but not like that. Yeah, we are seeing uh, temperatures dropping off. Uh, we've got a special weather statement. We've got extreme cold and an Arctic outflow warning, so I'll break that down. But first off, it was gorgeous out there today. We had some breaks, some sunshine in the mix, and this was captured in West Vancouver, so thank you so much, Lana. Different weather picture, though, for a few other spots. I wanted to also share this one in Fort Nelson of the northern lights and this was taken in brenda and then through the day today another weather picture area is near hope with a significant amount of snow upwards of 10 and up to 20 centimeters so a mixed bag across the province and we still have a snowfall warning that is in effect for the fraser valley that's east near hope with an additional five and up to 10 centimeters for this evening it's been windy with the sunshine through the day today we've had gusts out of Chawasson closer to 70 kilometers per hour the airport seeing gusts of up to 60 and sustained winds just over over 50. It is going to ease off through this evening. Right now at the airport we're seeing a sustained wind at 30 kilometers per hour. Now a heads up, we still do have a significant amount of snow if you're traveling along the mountain passes. Higher amounts for the Coquihalla still up to 10 centimeters. The Allison Pass, I've put that range between 5 and up to 10 and then it should start to ease off if you're traveling along any of the mountain passes as we get in towards the morning and closer towards the afternoon tomorrow morning. Now, Arctic, Arctic air for the all areas that are in gray. This is blanketing the province, and we've got a range uh, 5 to 10 degrees below the average along coastal areas. For both the central and southern interior, it'll be 10 to 20 degrees. We've got the wind chills for the northeastern corners into the minus 40s, and the Arctic outflow warning for the north coast inland with the wind chills at minus 20. Now, the coldest stretch or the coldest day, rather, this week should be our Wednesday, Thursday. We'll have temperatures dip down to minus 10, and for our highs, for example, will have temperatures just getting up into the minus 20s across the central interior and into the minus teens. So the coldest day so far midweek for most areas across the province. Bundle up. I don't know, Colleen, do you have long johns? You might need those. You do? Okay, well, we'll need to grab those as well. Now, the northern half of the province could see a few flurries and that'll pop up towards the afternoon. It's cold with isolated flurries for the northeastern corners, but not much in terms of accumulation. Higher elevations should start to see those flurries tapering off, especially by the morning. Morning. And along the south coast, we've got a great stretch of sunshine, but a heads up blip in the forecast late Tuesday into Wednesday. 
could see a few isolated flurries, but it'll be very chilly. So as I'd mentioned, grab the layers. If you've got long johns, bring those out as well. We'll need them this week. It's the coldest temperatures we've seen so far. Bring out the woolly masks, yes, too. Yes, exactly. will keep your face warm. <laughs> Thanks so much, Yvonne. Well, we aren't the only ones getting hit with frigid temperatures. There are snowstorm and cold weather warnings right across the country. From Ontario to Alberta, Environment Canada issued weather warnings for extreme cold temperatures with wind chills, making it feel like below minus 40 Celsius in some places. But wait until you see what millions in the U.S. are dealing with. A bitter winter blast sweeping across the Midwest. Plummeting temperatures creating hazardous conditions. An avalanche in Utah near Alexander Basin prompting air rescues. Whiteout conditions in Montana. In Iowa, a massive highway pileup. Tractor trailers flipped. A police cruiser in ruins. Whipping winds plunging half the country into a deep freeze. The wind chill in Minot, North Dakota, 37 degrees below zero. It's slightly warmer in Minneapolis with wind chills of negative 29. And in Cincinnati, it's a balmy five degrees. I would say it feels like sandpaper on on your face. face. Yeah. If you stand out too long, your legs start to burn a little bit through your jeans. (laughs) The brutal temperature sticking around. Chicago bracing for what could be its longest consecutive stretch of deep cold in decades. The dangerous temperatures closing all city-run COVID test sites through Wednesday. The concern? If air can do that, it's not safe for anyone. The February freeze moving east. Parts of the battered northeast are bracing for an additional eight inches of snow on top of last week's storm. As long as the snow's coming down, we're still working. Another winter punch taking aim tonight. And this will give you some idea of how cold it is in Chicago. A Twitter user posted these photos of a pair of pants standing upright with no one inside them. Apparently, he soaked the pants in water, then took them outside. As they begin to freeze, you can shape them however you like and then just leave them in the street. (laughs) I love that. I haven't actually seen that before. (laughs) Might as well have fun with it, right? Yeah, totally. Some walking pants. Or a frozen ghost, perhaps. (laughs) No kidding. At night. Barry, I'm guessing it's probably a little warmer in Tampa tonight. Yeah, especially if you're a Bucks fan. Uh, I thought the Chiefs offense would be too much for Tampa, but uh, never, never listen to me. That's the lesson. Here. Uh, Tampa is really running away with this, so we'll have highlights of that coming up. But our lead story today is actually tennis down in Australia. Oh, Rebecca man. Marino of Vancouver, very well documented her uh, stepping away from tennis uh, about eight years ago because of uh, depression. Well, what a comeback for her. She won her opening match. We'll have highlights of that coming up. Long before masks became mandatory in public spaces and the near daily briefings with Dr. Bonnie Henry, one community in B.C. didn't need convincing that it was smart to adopt new public health practices. Some experts even credit the early response by our Chinese-Canadian community with helping stop transmissions early on in the pandemic. But as Nadia Stewart reports, it came at a cost. And it's typically packed. But, uh, you know, in in like January and and February, uh, it was deserted. These photos were taken last year by South China Morning Post Vancouver correspondent Ian Young, showing an unusually quiet Aberdeen centre weeks before the pandemic's impact would be more widely felt. This is the sort of place where you'd usually have to do laps to try and find a seat. Um, But there was just a handful of people in there. So clearly something um, dramatic 
was happening in the mindset of the Chinese community long before it was happening elsewhere. For those who weren't exposed to Chinese language media, Young says there was a belief the virus was still far enough away. But within the community, there was an earlier response. Young says social gatherings were being avoided. He says from the start, the Chinese community was ahead of the curve. The broad perception is that authorities uh, in BC and Canada were behind the curve and that they were not serious enough about COVID-19. And the Chinese communities at almost every stage were ahead of this curve. Some experts have praised the Chinese community for its role in suppressing transmission during the first wave. But that first wave also brought with it an increase in anti-Chinese racism and calls for more race-based data. How can we actually integrate workers of multilingual capacity and knowledge and cultural competency within a lot of our uh, government systems? Community organizer Kevin Huang says the pandemic also illuminated how much smaller organizations servicing ethnic communities are underserved by government, even though these groups give so much. Whenever there's a specific community need, a lot of these groups step into those, perhaps without the expertise, perhaps without the uh, exact knowledge, but they, they, they take on that work because they're interested in helping their community. There's hope steps will be taken to close the gaps, not to mention hopes for a return to normalcy here in B.C. and beyond. Nadia Stork, Global News. They're a little different this year. We take a look at some of the best Super Bowl ads from this year's game, and we're going to have that right after Barry's sportscast. Barry. Yeah, we'll get to that uh, game in a little bit. But first, a little bit of tennis. Thanks, Colleen. It has been a long road back for Vancouver's Rebecca Marino, but today she was back on court at a tennis grand slam for the first time. Marino was world ranked in the top 40 about a decade ago, but stepped away from tennis because of depression. But it has been a courageous return to the game she loves, and she is playing as well as she has in years. Marino with a fortunate first round matchup. Luck of the draw, big part of tennis, taking on Australian Kimberly Burrell, who's world ranked 625, got in as a uh, wild card. Marino's got the power game, hammers the huge forehand to take the opening game. Rebecca, six feet tall, big reach, huge ground strokes, pummeling another winner from the baseline. Waltz to the opening set, six love in just 23 minutes. Second set, much closer. Marino showing she's got a lot of shots in the arsenal. Check out that angle forehand winner, up 3-2. They continue on serve. Rebecca with the nice penetrating forehand, and then we'll finish with the smash at net. She had eight match points in the second set, eight. And finally, on that eighth one, we'll put it away with the forehand. And how great is that? Rebecca Marino is moving on to the second round at the Australian Open, six love, seven, six. Bianca Andreescu plays her opening match around nine o'clock our time tonight. Now, on the men's side. Milos Raonic taking on Argentina's Federico Correa. Milos, the number 14 seed. He got an early break and then just kept the pedal down. Big serve, followed by the huge Milos forehand. And then he will close out the first set. Another blistering forehand. First set to Milos, six games to three. Second set, the big man keeps pounding away. Just that big serve sets up so much. This time the backhand winner down the line took the second set, 6-4. 
Third set, Milos will crush the inside-out forehand. It's another break, and he is on to the second round in straight sets. 6-3, 6-3, 6-2 in just 96 minutes. 11th seed, Denis Shapovalov, and number 20, Felix Ojeali-Assim, play later tonight and early this morning our time. Vashik Pospisil of Vancouver and Vernon plays his opening match tomorrow against number 4, Daniel Medvedev of Russia. So a tough draw for Vashik. The Canucks practice today in preparation for tomorrow's game in Toronto, hoping to fix the myriad of problems that have dogged them for most of the season and certainly during their current four-game losing streak. The Canucks seem actually a lot perplexed on how to stop opponents from filling their net. Canucks have allowed a league-high 60 goals against, and the losing is certainly wearing on everybody. Like everyone's frustrated. I understand Fans being frustrated that we've lost some games here. Uh, I get that. I would be too if I was a fan. And But I can tell you that there's no one more frustrated than the players in the room. Uh, the coaches, the players, they care. They want to win. Uh, they're frustrated. And, and we've talked to our group about, you know, the weight of your shoulders and how do you get out of it when you're not playing well or you're not winning. And um, sometimes you can overcomplicate it. But it's... First of all, it has to be done together and working together, uh, pushing yourselves internally to be better. Well, you don't get a much better matchup for the Super Bowl than Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes. Brady trying to bring home a Super Bowl to Tampa Bay in his first season with the Bucks. Mahomes trying to win back-to-back titles for the Chiefs, who had become the first team to repeat since Brady's Patriots back in 2003-2004. Brady in his 10th Super Bowl. That's a record. His Bucks have won seven straight games. Their last loss was to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs back in Week 12. First quarter took the offense as a couple series to get going. Brady going familiar. Finds his longtime teammate Rob Gronkowski. 13th time they've connected for a playoff touchdown pass most ever by a quarterback receiver duo at 7-3. Later, Bucks kicked a field goal, but Chiefs lined up offside, resulted in a first down, so the drive continues, and Brady makes them pay, hooking up with Gronk again. 17-yard touchdown. It's 14-3. The big story in this game has been Tampa's underrated defense, putting the pressure on Patrick Mahomes, who, yes, does have a bad toe, which has limited his mobility, but they were all over him. Has to throw it away on third down. Just a field goal for the Chiefs. Mahomes just 67 yards passing in the first half. And then thanks to a number of KC penalties in the final minute, Brady takes the Bucks down and finds Antonio Brown for the one-yard touchdown with just seconds to go in the half. Three TD passes for the 43-year-old 21-6 at half. Halftime entertainment. Toronto's own the weekend with the biggest gig in the world. Known for his uh, glitzy show. The guy also has an incredible voice. He's a great showman and he put on a great show. Why not? It's Sunday. It's the weekend. It's his time. Back to football. Third quarter. I know dad jokes during the Super Bowl. It's part and parcel. Back to football. Third quarter. Chiefs put up a field goal, but the Bucks answer right back. Leonard Fournette, 27-yard touchdown run. 28-9 Tampa. It is now 31-9 in the fourth quarter as the Bucks try to win at home. They're the first time ever that the home team has played in the Super Bowl. All right, final round of the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Jordan Spieth looking for his first win in three and a half years, but it was not his day. Ten birdies yesterday in a round of 61. Today, one over par 72, finished tied fourth at 17 under, two behind the winner. The putter was not magic today for Jordan Spieth. While Spieth and third-round co-leaders Andrew Schofield couldn't get anything going, Brooks Kepka. 
came charging off the pace. His approach at the 14th. You can hear him, and he has thrived on it. This is tight. Just five feet away would make that for birdie. Got to within one of the lead, and by the 17th, Kepka was tied for the lead. Short par four in the rough, about 98 feet from the pin. And this shot would change everything. Kepka rolls it in for an eagle, and he posts 19 under par. But Xander Schauffele was not done. At the 16th, rolls in the birdie, gets to within one. And now on the short par 4, 17th, it's drivable. Certainly a birdie chance to tie it, but Schauffele hooks his tee shot and it finds a watery grave. It led to a bogey and that was the difference. Schauffele ends up tied for second, one shot behind Brooks Kepka, who gets his second ever win at Phoenix. Corey Connors finished 17th at 12 under. Adam Hadwin was 50th at minus 7. Back to the NHL, Caps and Flyers. First period, how about Alex Ovechkin? Check out that move, undresses Philip Myers and sets up Tom Wilson for the tap-in goal. OB the setup man, but hey, he also did what he does best. Scored a couple of goals, had two assists for a four-point afternoon. Ovechkin at 711 career goals, seventh on the all-time list, and he should get to around fourth if he has a, a season we expect, but the Flyers always had an answer. James Van Riemsdyk goes top shelf, and then Scott Lawton, had his first career hat-trick, scores on the rebound here, putting this one to bed late in the third as the Flyers beat the Capitals 7-4. to four. Meanwhile in Columbus, Torts and the Blue Jackets taking on Carolina. First period, Patrick Lyonnais with the one-time blast. What a rocket. Lyonnais had two today. He's got three goals in three games since his arrival in Columbus from Winnipeg, but it wasn't enough. Dougie Hamilton with the game winner, a bit of an odd one, floats it up and over into the Columbus net. Canes win 6-5. Carolina off to a good start at 7-2. The Jackets 5-5-3. And some Premier League soccer. Liverpool in first place. Man City defending champs. Liverpool have lost two straight at Anfield and it got worse today. Phil Foden sets up Ilkay Kadogan to make it 2-1 Man City. City exploded for four in the second half. Foden with the cracker here from close range. 4-1 the final. Liverpool's lost three in a row at home. First time since 1963 that's happened. They're now five points up on second place Man United and ten up on fourth place Liverpool. And late going in the Super Bowl, it looks like it's going to be Tampa Bay and Tom Brady, another seventh Super Bowl win for him. Crazy stuff. It is really crazy. You have to really say those numbers over and over because that's... That's not normal, as we know. No, it likely won't happen again. Never. So we thought we would show you some of the best, starting with an ad that really reflects how more people have been shopping during the pandemic, and that is online. So, are you going to buy the car? Please, if I could just go home and discuss things with my wife. I've been here all weekend. You can leave any time you want. Never go to a dealership again. Well, that was painless. Go to Vroom.com, buy a car, and we'll deliver it contact-free. Not bad. Okay, this next commercial is for Amazon Alexa's sleek new look, and it is definitely targeted to women. Alexa, how many tablespoons are in a cup? There are 16 tablespoons in a cup. Babe, food just got here. Why are you cooking? Who's that? Alexa, turn on the sprinklers. Honey, I already ran the sprinklers. Things are getting way too wet around here. Alexa, dim the lights. 
Alexa, no, don't do that. <laughs> right? <laughs> Good. Perry? <laughs> it works, it's for I guess. Colleen and I. Yes, yeah, for you guys. Uh, yeah, I don't get it, but you, I'm sure you guys love it. You seem to be loving it. You're blushing, I know I'm that. I'm blushing. Okay, and finally, this is part of a nearly two minute commercial for Huggies that might make all of us want to be babies again. You can literally sleep whenever you want. Or not. Oh, so Dad's head isn't on upside down. That's just a beard. Yep, being a baby is pretty great. Everyone is always thrilled to see you. Well, almost everyone. You can go. Like, go whenever nature calls. That's where we come in. We're hugging. Hi. We make these and these and other stuff to help your parents keep you comfy. So you have. I, I encourage you to seek yeah. that one out online. Yeah, now I can relate to that one. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> not kidding. <laughs> uh, lots of fun, but they're all they're all online if you ever want to see them. That is the news hour for tonight. Thanks for joining us. Jordan will be here at 11 and be sure to join us on BC One tomorrow at three for the latest COVID briefing. In the meantime, have a great night. <laughs>